is East Coasters Podcast. We are challenging ourselves to build lives of perseverance through conversation, reflection, and practice. So I'm Ryan. Episode three. Uh, I'm Ryan, and here we have Chad. Hello. Same as the other couple episodes. And so in developing our next couple episodes, we kind of came up with a formula of sorts in that we're going to do an introduction, so how we came to the topic that we're talking about. Um, and then our conversation, reflection, and practice. Conversation is going to be facts about the topic that we're talking about. Then reflection is going to be asking a question about the topic. And then practice is we're going to try to answer that question or at least um, spark a more conversation. Or yeah, we're going to try to answer it and then develop it, I guess, a little bit. Kind of mm-hmm. um, see where it goes, yeah. I guess. Um, so today we're going to be talking about a uh, patriarch. So this is not patriarchy, which is a whole issue in whole and of other, itself. Yeah, whole other animal. Um, so we're talking about the patriarch of a family. Um, so patriarch was first developed as a... You see a lot in the Bible, um, and you don't see a lot like here uh, in modern day... Um, there aren't a lot of necessarily patriarchs. Um, well, one that comes to mind would be uh, Phil Robertson. Yeah. So naturally. Yeah. But, that's, he, but other than that, there's know. not a lot. No. Um, so, anyways, so over Christmas break, I was reading the Tools of Titans by Tim Ferriss, and Tim's a super successful author and investor um, at 39 years old. And he also hosts a very successful podcast where he does interviews with different kinds of people uh, like uh, Jamie Foxx, Arnold Schwarzenegger, two Nobel, Nobel laureates, uh, scientists. Uh, he, really does, he really does a very wide range of people. Um, there are several questions that he asks consistently to his interviewees. One of them that my mind was working on while I was reading the book, and the book is uh, totally recommend it. It's like 800 pages, but it's totally worth it, and it's really fun to read. Uh, if you don't want to listen to each of Tim Ferriss's like four-hour podcasts, it's a good condensed way to get through them. Uh, but one of the questions that he asked and that my mind uh, kept working on was, who comes to mind when you think of the word successful? And like your initial reaction to that is like, oh, su- successful people are people who make a lot of money or have risen to like a lot of fame Mm -hmm. you know um so i thought of some like will smith al pacino luke bryan steve jobs mark zuckerberg Derek jeter naturally Mm -hmm. uh brett Favre, uh michael jordan like all these people who are just like super successful in their field um so but that was that was like my immediate response um but none of those kind of stuck with me and while I like respect those people for what they've done and they are no doubt successful and continue to be successful most of them that it wasn't it didn't like really resonate with me completely Um, then I began to think of other measures of success um, that convey success to me personally and one of the first things that came to mind was familial success and by that I mean um like people who have good families, like quality families that like if you went over to your friend's house, you're like, oh man, like I wish they would adopt me because this family is quality, you know, you know what I'm saying? So, and this is skewed for me personally a little bit. Um, 
in that this is something that's successful in my eyes, but a lot of people might not view that the same. Um, but what we're talking about should resonate with you no matter what kind of upbringing you've had. So the thing that came to my mind was a gentleman named Jerry Gergich. And that name might immediately be recognizable to you, uh, but it very well may not be. So Jerry Gergich is a character on the show Parks and Recreation, played by Jim O'Hare. And the TV show Parks and Rec is on NBC. It just ended like three years ago. Yeah, not long. Um, but it starred Rob Lowe. Uh, it was Amy Poehler's first real gig after leaving SNL. Uh, it also launched the career of Nick Offerman. Um, and it really launched the career of Chris Pratt, arguably the most successful person out of Parks and Rec, who started on Parks and Rec. I, I would say definitely. Yeah. Definitely the most he was only Chris Pratt was only supposed to be on the first couple episodes mm-hmm. of the first season, and then yeah. his character was supposed to be phased <laughs> out. Um, but, but everyone's done pretty well, because Aziz... Aziz Ansari and Aubrey Plaza, also yeah. um, huge careers out of Parks and Rec. And fun fact, Aziz is from here. Where he's from, oh yeah, he's from Columbia. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, he talks about that in some of his stand-up. He's, yeah. so he doesn't have Carolina. super fond memories. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have much in common with the, uh, <laughs> the large demographic of South Carolina. Yeah, so. at all. I, I saw like two Indian people today at a Starbucks, and that's like the only Indian people I've seen in months. <laughs> <laughs> that's how common Indian people are in, yeah. in South Carolina. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, Jerry Gergich in the show, he's clumsy, he's rather overweight, uh, the jokes about him are often based around his flatulence, <laughs> he's just, uh, he's a real mess, and he's not impressive he's not super good looking um he's really he's ridiculed on the show by aziz aubrey and chris mostly and even during the show they like have fun at changing his name from jerry to larry and terry and jerry with a g with a g like they they just they mess with it um so he, he like doesn't have any respect and his real name is actually gary like for at the end of the show they kind of get him back to that and he, they end the show with his yeah. name being Gary but like his real name is Gary but even as the sh- for the first like three seasons the, his name was Jerry with a J I think it, it probably pretty much changed like every season yeah I think, at least you know. so but besides that he's a super kind guy it's it's kind of funny because he's like really nice and he smiles through everything but he but he's getting made fun of this whole time. He's super positive, and he's always willing to help everybody, no matter how mean they are to him. And he's also redeemed in his show. His character is redeemed by having this super gorgeous wife and these like three gorgeous daughters who don't fit with him at all. But it's so that you'll like. It's just like kind of like a show thing. Like it's his, yeah. some of his redeeming qualities. Yeah. Um, and when the show came to an end in as so it was in 2015 that he became mayor of the whole city of Pawnee uh, mm-hmm. that Parks and Rec is based in. And on his, I think I think Chad said it was his 100th birthday, is what they show at the end of the show. Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's his 100th, too. Yeah. Um, it's, that, it's up there. Yeah. He's surrounded by uh, this family, and there's 
there's he's just he's surrounded by his wife and his daughters and his kids and his great grandkids and mm-hmm. it's just like this huge picture and it's just this awesome like family picture that he has like surrounding him yeah um so we so i tweeted a picture of him today just in case you don't know who he is but it's him farting in the in the gif <laughs> that so you could have tweeted out the nice picture of him but yeah. that's really what he's yeah. known I thought for that's in the show i thought that's where you're going with that no oh this is this is the photo i'm talking about. i was going to but i like the farting gif better it's, yeah okay um <laughs> So why is he successful, in my opinion? Um, he's the patriarch of his family. And in my opinion, this is an admirable metric of success that he was able to maintain this family and that he was able to grow his family to such a level that it is just successful in my mind. That like it takes a lot of hard work. Um, and we're going to talk about why that's why being a patriarch you don't really see it a whole lot anymore mm-hmm. and it's difficult to be one yeah. and it's yeah well it's just it's something that we kind of want to do yeah. as well mm-hmm. um so chad's going to talk about some things to get us all on the same page as to how and why we're going to talk about this right so um as we stated kind of earlier the patriarch is uh, a male head or of a family or tribe, uh, and it's the oldest, you know, uh, f- member of that family, you know, founder, so to speak. Um, you know, fathers of the human race, according to the Bible, such as Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, it also comes from the Greek uh, patria and arcs. Arches. Arches, yeah. And uh, patriarchs are the... The leader of the family. Patria they, meaning family and Archie's meaning ruling, so a ruler of the family. Right, right. Which, yeah. So uh, as the leader of the family, they uh, they have kids and often grandkids. They built this kind of community around them, as we kind of stated, that, that picture that at the end of the series, you know, he's got every member, you know, uh, of, the, of his family surrounded and... Um, you know, but he he goes farther than that. He's not just the patriarch, but he's a, a teacher, protector, you know, a disciplinarian. You know, and he advocates the value of the family. He's a, a servant of the family and works hard for just the overall benefit of of the family. And so that's kind of how we're we're defining a patriarch. Um, you don't necessarily see that in the show completely, but that's kind of our uh, definition of the. Uh, of a patriarch in a wide sense but as a working definition uh that's a little more concise we're going to say a patriarch is a servant to his family for whatever life necessitates so obviously as a father and we're not fathers and this is also why we're talking about this is because this is something we're not experts on at all um both i think chad has a little bit more of this than i do um, but I definitely don't have any sort of patriarch in my family. Like, I don't know my grandparents. Um, yeah, most of my grandparents have passed away. Just in the traditional sense, I still have my grandparents, mm-hmm. you know, while they're, you know. And, and so I've always grown up around them. A lot of people might have grandparents, but <clears throat> they might not live close to them. So, mm-hmm. but I, I was blessed enough to have them close in uh, proximity to me throughout my entire childhood up until college so 
uh, they had a large influence on my upbringing, you know. Mm-hmm. So that was that was very, you know, I was very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. So we're not playing. So you could get into this thing where we're talking about about this topic. You could say, oh, y'all are just being the opposite of feminist. You're being like anti-feminist with this. You're being what some people would call meninist. Mm-hmm. You're just is contrary to popular culture right now, I believe. And we would consider ourselves traditionalists in a traditional family structure. And that's how we're going to approach uh, this issue and some of the statistics and things that we're going to talk about next. Um, so, Would you say the roles, certain roles to be played? Or no? What do you mean? <clears throat> well, like, I think a lot of times now... Uh, society want, doesn't want to put roles on anything. They want mm-hmm. they want to say that each parent should be able to fill both roles at, oh, in, in interchangeably. Oh, okay, I see what you're um, So I think so we, we both have we would both think slightly differently than that. That there's right. certain roles that need to be absolutely. You know, absolutely. Um, I mean. But in another sense, it's not like that strict like 1920s like the no. woman has to stay home and like no. like I love to cook. When I get married, I will most likely be doing like no the lion's share of the cooking. Like yeah. I enjoy it. Like that's the way it's yeah. just going to be. Um, yeah. But it, when we're talking about I guess the more traditional roles or how a patriarch would help out his family, we are talking about it in more traditional sense. Yeah. Um, and more traditional gender roles. Right. That's I it. guess would be yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so to talk about why patriarchs are important, the easiest way to look at that is to look at what happens in the absence of when you have a strong male or any male in the picture. And there's been a lot of books on this, and in the research done for this, there was an abundance of source material on um, both in secular, Christian, um, in a very wide array of data about this subject. Um, and it's data that is undisputable. These are facts gathered from different sources, uh, sources that people would, like if you just pull it, like if I say the Huffington Post versus um, American Psychology, like there's people who would totally agree with everything the Huffington Post says, and there's people who would totally agree with everything uh, psychology today says so it's just these are pulled from multiple sources to include everything and these are statistics that everyone who talks about this issue yeah. are agree on so it's diverse sources exactly yeah diverse sources yep. so uh, a lot of these facts that we're going to talk about right now and this is just some sampling of facts is from a 2011 article written written by David Blankenhorn author of fatherless America he is the chair for the National Fatherhood Initiative and founder slash president of the Institute for American Values, organization and research conducted by the Popano and scores of other researchers. So that Popano is a independent research group. So this would be just like Pew Research Organization or um, any other research organization. It's a third party, completely independent with no agenda. Yeah, so some of the sample of facts are approximately 30% of all American children are born into single-parent homes, and for the black community, that figure is actually 68%. Uh, 
Um, fa also, fatherless children are at a dramatically greater risk of drug and alcohol abuse, mental illness, suicide, poor educational performance, teen pregnancy, criminality, all according to the U.S. Department of Health and Human Resources, National Center for Health, Health Statistics. 63% of youth suicides are from fatherless homes, according to the U.S. Bureau of Census. Children from low-income, two-parent families outperform students in high-income, single-parent homes. Also, twice as many high achievers come from two-parent homes as one-parent homes, according to a study by the Charles F. Kettering Foundation. Yeah. As... Uh Changing up a little bit, girls uh, living with a non-natal father, boyfriends, stepfathers, for example, are at a higher risk for sexual abuse than girls living with natal fathers. Um, also, a large survey conducted in the late 1980s found that about 20% of divorced fathers had not seen their children in the past year, and then that fewer than 50% saw their children more than a few times a year. And in uh, education sense, again, the scholastic aptitude test scores have declined more than 70% in the past two decades. Children in single-parent families tend to score lower on standardized tests and receive lower grades in school, according to a Congressional Research Service report. So, like I said, this is a sampling of statistics. And we're going to talk about some more statistics because this is the conversation portion. This is the facts portion. And we're going to also post links to all of these articles so that it, you know it's not just us making up these things. These are real people who have PhDs and um, a lot of experience. But this leads us to talking about facts of then what does a patriarch or a father actually lend to a family? Because we talked yeah. about the, what the absence of it is. So now we'll talk about what, the, what it actually lends to it. And you could obviously see that the effects are opposite, and we, that was even mentioned in some of the other statistics, but, um, but it's obviously helpful to have a male in the home or to have a traditional, even just a two-parent, if you want to say, um, household. Yeah. Exactly. So also, we would like to acknowledge that fathers come in many forms these days. You have the traditional uh, that we've talked about. You also have adoptive fathers. You have um, non-residential fathers, so fathers who might live away from their children. Uh, you have absentee fathers, so the fathers who have skipped out. You have stepfathers, of which I have one. I have a stepdad. He was um, helpful to me in my upbringing. Uh, you have father, you have children who are raised in homes with two fathers, and you have the, another kind of non-traditional, uh, but still more traditional than others, uh, stay-at-home fathers. So all this to say that family dynamics have changed. Uh, they have obviously changed a great deal in the past hundred years. Uh, family dynamics have evolved to areas that people probably wouldn't have even suspected a hundred years ago. Mm -hmm. um, Men are not the sole breadwinners anymore. More women are in the workforce. 56.7% of women over the age of 16 are in the workforce, and workforce means that they are part-time or full-time, part-time being 30 or more hours a week. And 61% of mothers with children under the age of three are in the labor force. So even mothers of young children are still working. Uh, so that means that they aren't going to be staying home to take care of the kids because they have to still work. And this was this is a collection of all um, 
of all women and men. So it's not just married or uh, single. It's it's a aggregate number. Mm-hmm. So also the role of the father is more fluid. The American Psychological Association indicates that men are more involved in the caregiving than ever before. In summary, the modern-day father can contribute to his children's health and well-being by maintaining a healthy relationship with the other parent, even in a case of divorce. So even if there is divorce and, say, both of the parents are still single, that even just that semblance that your parents are getting along a little bit or that it's contributing to a more traditional, quote-unquote, household says that that's even better for the child than a... Complete non-present accent. father yeah, exactly mm-hmm. and that men provide emotional and financial support and that they also help with appropriate monitoring and discipline so the kid will have consequences for actions that they perform which increases discipline which increases um, their ability to function and obey authority and most importantly uh, by remaining remaining a permanent and loving presence in their lives. That's how fathers contribute most, even if they are absent, even if they are non-residential, even if they are uh, adoptive fathers. That is the most significant influence that parents can have on, or a father can have on their child's life. So in the Huffington Post, uh, like we mentioned before, uh, Dr. Gail Gross, who is a PhD, she has a a doctorate in education and a master's in education in human behavior or PhD in human behavior parenting and education so Gail knows what she's talking about (laughs) and the Huffington Post is an outfit that I would often disagree with for a lot of the stuff they post because I think a lot of the stuff they post is what would be called all that fake news right now (laughs) Um, and I, I think they're they got a lot of BS on there. Sure. Um, but for Father's Day in 2014, on the 12th, which is my birthday, they published an article. In so Dr. Gail Gross said that if your child's father is affectionate, supportive, involved, he can contribute greatly to your child's cognitive, so their education, like we talked about before, mm-hmm. language, uh, the amount of words that they're going to learn over time, and their social development, as well as academic achievement, a stronger inner core resource, meaning that the child is able to build up in themselves more, they have more self-confidence, they have more tools with which they can approach daily life, their sense of well-being, uh, good self-esteem, and authenticity. So having this male influence in your life is super important. Even if you, I don't like it's, it's difficult to say. It's like all these studies are measured and there's statistics for these things, but it's hard to measure a child's self-confidence. You know, it's like there's it's hard to put a metric on that. I'm sure somebody out there could do it. I'm <laughs> sure they have done it. But like you can't say like, okay, if I see my father every two weeks, like how does that affect my self-confidence on like a number scale? You know, like that's just difficult. And it's difficult for their emotional well-being, like how stable and well-adjusted is this person going to be as an adult if they see... Well, even if they try to measure that, like, is that person going to be honest? Like, oh, Mm -hmm. no, like, I'm significantly less 
confident when you know he's not my father's not around yeah versus the days that you know i get to spend time with him like not everyone's gonna be honest about that that's true just just for one reason or another but there's studies like the studies will try to get out that kind of bias but i mean there's studies that go on for decades and decades but they're super difficult to do Mm -hmm. uh because you have to file follow a child from like birth till like 40 and then like (laughs) it's very hard to get that money Uh, but that does happen in some studies so all this to say that in terms of a patriarch, and like we said, a patriarch is often a grandfather because they have had kids and then those kids have had kids. And then in, if you're really lucky, those kids will have kids and you can be a great grandfather. Um, so how awesome would it be if you see the influence of a father and a grandfather, and the grandfather has passed those lessons onto their child you have a you have a grandfather who did things right he wasn't perfect it's not what we're talking about perfection never comes but that you have a grandfather who did things right then you have someone he taught to do things right now teaching a child how to do those things right Mm -hmm. and then you have not only the father's influence but you have the grandfather's influence at well as well in that child's life like we talked about the effect of a father that's like double yeah you know um so on a son's life and if that son um if that son can then learn how to be a patriarch and the mantle can be passed on to him how like you're just creating this amazing family yeah and then if more people did that society would be better because you would lose a lot of the problems we talked about before if more people stepped up and were patriarchs yeah in their families Mm -hmm. so it's a generational thing and the benefits could be measured over time like i said we're going to post the links to those articles along in the info section Um, but now we're going to talk about reflection which is posing a question about what we've talked about so far so far excuse me so we're coming at this from the aspect of sons because that's what we are we don't know how to be daughters and we don't have daughters so like we we don't have any kids we have that's that's not not just daughters we don't have any children not looking forward to that right now yeah like i don't that's not really in the radar so. No, it's out of the radar right yeah, now. That's yeah. that's for sure. I mean, we're both dating, but it's it's off the radar. It's off the radar. I would say within the next four years, I could have a kid. But well, good luck. Depends. <laughs> I guess it depends on how big your radar is. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so we're both we're both sons, and as Ryan stated, he he never got the chance to know his grandparents. But I I do have that experience, and you know, that's kind of where you can. Uh, evaluate the the influences that you have on you know your life and um whether that's a negative or positive thing um for some people they might have you know a great grandfather but it might not be positive influence from that person they Mm -hmm. you know for one reason or another um so it's everyone's everyone's different yeah this is part of the reflection like my father uh, had has some health issues that prevented him from maybe being, and my, my parents were divorced when I was very young, and my father's health issues, I think, prevented him from being, I think, even the father that he wanted to be a lot of the time. Um, but this is the reflection. 
this is where you have to look at, and this is for sons and daughters. We're just talking about this as sons because we are. But you have to look at the male influences that have been in your life, even like uncles or teachers or coaches, and have those experiences been negative or positive. What has been negative or positive about those experiences and why? And it sounds like super corny, but like, how does that make you feel? <laughs> like, was your father an absentee father? Was he, was he actually like really good to you? You know, like, did you have positive experiences? Like you have to reflect on those and you have to meditate on those. And it's not like, it's not like a two minute thing. It's not no. like a, no, because the ones that had maybe a good childhood, a good father, you shouldn't just assume that like, you're going to, that's going to come easy to you when you have a kid. That's true. Like everyone's going to be, you, you, you can't just assume that you're going to be a great father because your father was right. And same for the people that had a poor, you know, a poor upbringing and their father wasn't around or they just wasn't there for them the way they needed them to be. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be that way. And I think, um, and that's, what's great about kind of what we're talking about is, you know, and reflecting on it. And there's also some, so my stepfather, his father died when he was 13. Or no, even, no, he was, he was in grade school, so he was very young. So his father, technically an absentee father, but not by his choice, you know, yeah. like not by his, so my stepdad had the effects of an absentee father with, like, without the father who just like was like a deadbeat dad you know so he like still had those effects so he still suffers from the same things even though his dad like wanted to be there yeah um so this brings up the question of something i learned in a book called uh, wild at heart uh, by john eldridge my favorite book ever best thing i've ever read um and it really helps you deal with a lot of these in, uh issues So in this, one of the central core ideas is that we have all been wounded by our fathers in some way. And you could expand that to the male influences in your life uh, if you weren't, if a father wasn't there, uh, if you had um, brothers or uncles who were just around you, your male influences, um, your most immediate, most significant male influence. And for most people, that's going to be their fathers. uh, But like we've said again and again throughout this, that's not for everybody. Um, we've all been wounded by our fathers in some way. Uh, no father is perfect. And this is a reflection again. And this isn't a quick thing. This isn't you're driving down the road and you say, like, oh, yeah, I had a good childhood. Oh, yeah, my childhood kind of sucked. You know, like, or, like, maybe it was just mediocre. It was like, yeah, it, it happened. I was a kid at one point, and then now I'm an adult. And mm-hmm. and you just don't, you don't go think deep, about anything you don't go that any happened. You deeper about it. Yeah. Exactly. But... You need to. You need to think about everything that happened to you. And that could take a long time. Like, this the, this isn't a quick thing. This isn't a... This isn't a trivial thing. And why it isn't trivial is because you should want to be a patriarch. Is because you should want... And if you're a woman, say you're not married, or even if you are married, you should want your husband... To be a patriarch. Right. Because that's just better for your family overall. Mm-hmm. So, and you can play some role in that as a woman. Mm-hmm. So, but speaking to guys, 
it's not trivial to think about these things and you should spend time doing it because that's how you will learn what you can and can't do and what you should or shouldn't do and you're not going to be perfect either yeah or areas that you're weaker in exactly and then you meditate on that and and put together a plan of how do i improve this Mm -hmm. if if you make the conscious decision that you know I want to be better than my father or mm-hmm. my father was great how I need to be able to fill his shoes for my family right. so to extend that mm-hmm. and because it's not just going to come naturally no like it's, it'll be easier for you having those good influences yeah and it'll be even better for you if your father's like still around or your grandfather's still there yeah, to show you how you to have do those that, things yeah, you have that role model but it's that still doesn't make it automatic no um so John Eldred says that Men either overcompensate for their wound and become driven, uh, violent men, or they shrink back and become passive or retreating men. And often it is a mixture of both. So if your father was an absentee father, maybe you've, the message you got from that was, I'm never going to need anybody in my whole life. You know, like I'm going to take care of me and I'm going to drive forward. And that can be your driven men. That could be your uh, violent men. And violent doesn't necessarily mean that you're going and getting into bar fights. That can mean that you're just super aggressive at work, like, and you're good at what you do, but without reflecting and realizing, like, why you are that way, then you're not going, you can't let that be a positive thing, be a fully positive thing, and let it spill over into other areas of your life. Um, Or maybe your father hurt you in another way, and that can make you a retreating man, in that it's like, okay, no one actually cares about me. I'm going to, or no one cared about me. I'm going to just retreat into myself and I'm going to be all I ever need. Or I'm not going to, or you weren't shown how to stand up to difficulties. You weren't uh, taught how to, here you go, full circle, persevere through <laughs> difficulties from episode two. Um, so men feel stuck between these things. Either you're paralyzed and unable to move or you're unable to stop moving and your ability to be a patriarch is based on and it just struck me again like that sounded like I knew what I was doing it sounded like I was speaking from experience but again I have no experience in this other than that I've seen the absence of it in my life but your ability to be a patriarch is a reflection of how you handle your wound of how you dealt with and how you were continuing to deal with because you continue to deal with your childhood for the rest of your life. <laughs> like it's, it's never just happens and it's over. That doesn't happen. So your ability to be a patriarch and be a good father and be a good grandfather and be, and a patriarch isn't just for your kids. It's also for your spouse. Like how you treat your spouse and how you interact with them in a marriage sense is still part of your patriarch absolutely nature you know like we talk about this because it's kind of like a we're talking about like a generational thing but it also has a super big effect in you living your life um and i think the next point of it is that you don't have to pass these wounds on to your kids but you will if you don't reflect on them if you don't deal with them absolutely because if your father lashed out at you for leaving the lights on or for leaving the fridge open, 
and you don't say, oh, man, like, I don't want to yell at my kids for that. I'm going to show my kids grace in that situation or explain to them. Because kids often need to know the why. Yeah. They're just like, they don't understand. When you leave the fridge open, the food can go bad. Then we have to buy more food. Or, and then that's... And the power bill. And that's... Up. Exactly. I mean, there's... They no, don't get that. No. Like, you're the four-year-old who just learned how to open the fridge and just learned that a light comes on when you open the fridge, you know, like, doesn't get it. Or when you leave the water on or if you <clears throat> break something... Like, when I was a kid, yeah. like, 50 bucks was, like, an insurmountable amount of money. I didn't know what that value meant. Exactly. So. And so, like, one time, okay, one time, we had just moved into this new house, and I wanted to make a tree fort, and it was never going to happen. But I took our, um, our saw, and I went out in the woods, and I started, like, cutting off branches off stuff. And, of course, I left it out there because it was dinner time. I came back in. And then we went out there a few weeks later, and it was, like, rusted. rusted. And it yeah. was completely done. Um, so, but I was just, like, I was in the woods. You know, I was having a good time. I didn't understand that that saw was, like, 50 bucks and that it was, you know, yeah. like, you don't. And then that rust would happen over time. Exactly. So I was like, oh, I'll just go get it later, you know. <laughs> It'd be perfectly okay when I go pick it up. So. So, <clears throat> but. But like you said, I mean, if you don't deal with it, you're going to just repeat it mm-hmm. to your children. And, I mean, that's a cliche thing you'll see on TV. Like, someone's saying to their spouse, like, oh, you're just like your father or mm-hmm. you're just like your mother. And, like, that always sets people off because mm-hmm. typically that person wants the opposite without really diving deeper into that. And it's it's so hard to acknowledge your wounds if you don't think about them. If you... And it doesn't often come out until you get into that extreme, more extreme situation. Mm-hmm. Like you, you would have never thought that you would yell at your yeah, kids until that moment happened. Exactly. Yeah. Until it's right there. Until you did something just the way your father did it. Yeah. And I. Then it's I done. Mean, then it's done, and and because of the lack of preparation for mm-hmm. that situation. Super good point. You you did it, and then and then it and then the light bulb goes off that mm-hmm. oh I just did what so you know my father did, and then it's in a way it's too late, and in another way it's not absolutely because if, yeah. if you acknowledge it and yeah. deal with it, if you if that happens and then you're just like oh crap that sucks, and yeah. then you, you just can still recover from it exactly, but like if you just say oh that sucks and then you move on and then you don't deal with it you're going to do it again mm-hmm. and you'll keep doing it yeah but if you ideal situation you would deal with it years in advance <laughs> you deal with it like at our age where we we don't have families we don't have kids and you you just mentally prepare for when that time comes exactly yeah. and we're going to talk about that in a second we're getting a little bit uh, past ourselves there um, but you should be humbled by your wound your wound that and wound is a more broad definition and you should read Wild at Heart by John Eldridge because he explains this a lot better Um, and he explains it way better than I ever could but you should be humbled by your wound and proper reflection will help you deal with it in the best way possible so one of the best ways to do that is by reflecting on it personally but also talking about it with other people. So if, say you're at work and you had one of these moments where you did something just like your father or you yelled at somebody or you were upset with your own actions 
and those actions are as a result of your wound. You should deal with it internally, but you should also talk to somebody about it. Hopefully you have people in your life, uh, your spouse, your preferably a male friend, um, or if you are a female, talk about it with the person who's dealing with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but talking about it, one allows it to be validated that this thing actually happened to you. You were dealt with in this way that wasn't positive as a child, but it allowed you, or and then it culminated in this action 20-some years later, 30, 40 years later. Like, it can happen until you die. Um, but talking about it, allowing it to be validated, and two, it allows like this just huge release. Because if you just bottle that up, if you're reflecting on it, and you're like, oh, I suck. Like... My action, I'm just like my dad. I'm going to end up just like my dad. Um, and most most of us, even if we love our fathers, there's we don't want to be the same person as them 99% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it, just, it also just re- allows this release of it that until you get out in the open, it can't be dealt with. Uh, so all this leads to a question is for us at our age, and really at any age, if you haven't dealt with this, is can I be a patriarch? And right now, I don't feel like I have what it takes. Like, I... Same. I mean... Right. Yeah. So, I mean, we're 24 and 25. We're not married. And the question that this leads to is how can I get there? Or close enough to where I feel like I can take on that challenge. Because I haven't, I've had a number of friends get married, and none of them have told me like, yeah, I feel super prepared for this, and I, or <laughs> I even think, if they're I'm having sure kids. I've heard the opposite of exactly. What am I doing? You know, not as in like doubting, but like, am yeah. I prepared for this? Yeah, kind of thing. Almost no one, or even even if after they get married, if they have kids, they're just like, I don't know, <laughs> like we're just we're just gonna do it, yeah. and I'll figure it out as yeah. it happens. I'll figure, I'll figure it out as it's happening to me. Yeah. Um, so how can you get close enough to saying, like, because you're not going to say, all right, I am prepared. You're going to say, I have prepared myself enough with the help of people around me and also through reading, through reflection, through talking with it, uh, through listening to people who are smarter than you about the issue, uh, about marriage or being a patriarch. How can I get to the point where I can accept this challenge? Um, it's just really, it's just super difficult to get there. And it's, it's even harder to, like that's even a question, it's like difficult as an absolute. Absolutely. To say like, mm-hmm. I'm ready for this challenge. But I think it, it's, I feel like it's a feeling. <laughs> That you have as opposed to... It's it's like a heart knowledge as opposed to a head knowledge. Right. I think at some point, you just have to accept that you're you're never going to be... You're not going to be perfect at, at... There's not a tangible, you know, line that you can say, all right, you know, to be prepared to be a dad or a husband, um, patriarch, you know, I have to meet this goal. So it's more of X, Y, and Z. Yeah. So you're you're just doing, but you're still making effort to reach 
you know, some level, some, you know, something that you feel more prepared than if you just were like, you know, too casual about it. Where you're mm-hmm. just like, ah, like, I'll just cross that bridge when I get to it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's not the best approach because... <laughs> the worst approach. <laughs> you know, it's just like, that it's, you're, you're not putting any thought, any type of thought to it. And if that's your attitude, you probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, it's like, there, you know, it, it's a big thing. And I think too many people view family that way. They view having a child that way. That it's just like, oh, I'm pregnant. Well, all right, like it's it's here. Guess I'll deal with this now. Yeah, and or you know, when or, if you were thinking about it before, if you were thinking about the huge responsibility that it is and how you're not prepared for these things, maybe you would have avoided that situation. Yeah, you'd hope so. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So. Um, so how can we get to this point where we feel like we're able to take on this challenge, and? I know for myself personally that if I am able to get to this point that I would be a first generation patriarch. And I think in some ways you would as well. In some ways. Um, here just kind of thinking on it, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm blessed to have a grandfather role model, multiple grandfathers, uh, and a father that's been around and still, you know, plays a strong role in my life now but you know I think as we stated no one's perfect and so I'm going to take a lot of the great values that he instilled into me and then uh, expand on those hopefully to my children and my family so I think that's that's the angle of it that I want to come at it Mm -hmm. so so this relationship is often passed on from father to son to son to son to son to son Um, but if your family is not set up to pass this torch if there's no if there's no torch to pass (laughs) right you know like I like I feel like there is in like I've learned lessons from my dad and my dad's even tried to teach Chad lessons yes Um, (laughs) but like if your family's not set up to pass this torch, then what are you what are you kind of left with? Yeah. Then it's up to it's up to you. The responsibility is on you. It's a huge responsibility, like we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. So, in my opinion, and how I'm hoping that I can approach this situation when the time comes, is that this takes a lot of really hard work and a lot a mountain of intentionality that like we were just saying this isn't a casual thing it's yeah. you're not just going to wake up one day and be a patriarch mm-hmm. like it takes a ton of effort and it takes a ton of time years and years yeah you have to, to build be, these relationships i think i think you hit it you have to be super intentional mm-hmm. you know like you can be a dad and just and say you're just there you're you go to work you come home you're there every day but if you're not intentional with them like what are you really doing for the, you know, for your family? Right. If you're just, you can show up and pay the bills, you know, but like, it takes a lot more than that to be to be an actual patriarch. Yeah. To so, I think what kind of what we're saying by this is you can't be a patriarch by default. Yeah. You you're just because you're a grandfather, doesn't just make you a patriarch. Like patriarch is something more than that. Mm-hmm. Like it's not. 
it's not oh I sit back look I have you know three kids they each had kids mm-hmm. they each are you know starting young families pat yourself on the back yeah and I'm and, a patriarch give you know, yourself a medal you and know. not to like downplay grandparents out there like but that's the participation award but yeah that's the same as a as opposed to the first place trophy <laughs> that you can be as a patriarch yeah you know like you can show up but that doesn't mean you're going to do a good job mm-hmm. so it takes this intentionality to really be successful and i think that kind of brings it back to what we were talking about first is this matter of success but it it is success mm-hmm. like I, in in my opinion and hopefully if you're listening to this you would agree with this is that if you are a patriarch and no one's going to show up one day and say like oh you became a patriarch congratulations <laughs> um but no but like what but you it said, is success yeah and it's success beyond doing the bare minimum mm-hmm. and In my opinion, it doesn't, and I think this is this answers the question for us here. It doesn't start when you get a family. It doesn't start when you get married or when you have your first kid. It starts as being a servant now. So the working definition that we had before, I'll read it again, is that a patriarch is a servant to his family for whatever life necessitates. So the people in your life necessitate things from you now at your job at your home if you're living with some other people if you are um if you have extended family you know like the people surrounding you necessitate things from you now and that's not necessarily like they they need like money from you or they but they need your attention there's people who rely on you emotionally and like to be like if they if they were completely down like you would be able to bring them yeah. back up like well maybe you're an uncle to somebody you know who, there you or go. whatever you mm-hmm. know you're just an or an older sibling and say the, the father is isn't in the picture but mm-hmm. you're you know like that's a good way you know yeah that's a lot to put on a potential teenager's shoulders but it's just something to get you thinking about that you know you're still going to have an influence on younger siblings for mm-hmm. example and it starts as being a servant right now to the people who surround you and that even means as far as I understand your kids are going to severely piss you off like at different times like our friend Zach yesterday said that his child just learned how to say no as a response to something like he could say it before but like didn't know what he was saying but he, he learned how to be defiant yesterday Um, Like, it was just like he woke up one day and he was like, oh, like, I can say no to things. And then if I say no, I'm not going to do them. Like, of course, like, as a parent, you would hope to convince your children to do these things through whatever means necessary. But, like, your kids are going to piss you off some days. Just like your boss pisses you off right now. Or your coworker, Or uh, anybody else around you. Your roommate. Your roommate. (laughs) Uh, people uh, do we need to talk <laughs> people in traffic like people are going to piss you off and you're not going to want to do things for the people around you to make the environment a better place just like it's going to be really difficult to love your child when you just found out that 
they wrecked your car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, like, it starts as being a servant now in that you are going to do whatever you can to make your environment a better place, no matter that's at the job, at home, like, wherever you are. And that's being a servant. And I, I'm hoping that this is one of those situations in which I know how I'm defining a servant and then that's not coming across. Um, but I think being a servant is just not putting your own not putting your own values first and not putting your like yourself first all the time. Like granted, like you're gonna put yourself first in different situations, like I don't know, like if you're driving, like you're gonna I don't know. <laughs> I don't have a good example right off the bat. Um, but you're you're gonna be a servant to the people around you. Mm-hmm. Is it making sense to you? It makes sense to me. I'm on board. <laughs> okay, and, and I'm there with you. I okay, good. All right. Well, then, if anybody else has any questions, then you can tweet us <laughs> as to what being a servant means. Um, but that being said, we are uh, at East Coasters Pod on Twitter, and that is our only social media platform. At the moment. At the moment. We need some listeners and such first. So <laughs> we need somebody to actually before we can expand, listen to it who's not me. You know, well, yeah. So <laughs> I we, think we we don't want to have the business model where we get too, you know, stretched out too far before. The Twitter is stretching it for me, honestly. It is. I log in there once a week. I mean, it's that's big responsibility. Right now, <laughs> that's hard. Um. But anyways, I think I think that kind of wraps up our whole conversation um, about being a patriarch. Yeah. Hopefully, we didn't lose you at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think so. Um, so, if you have any questions, feel free to tweet us. If you're, if whoever's listening to this, if that's even a thing. <laughs> <laughs> but this is East Coasters podcast, and we're out. Deuces. Deuces.